eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am always with you to the very end of the age. Thank you very much for that reading. Shall we pray as we start? <clears throat> Lord, we just thank you um, for the amazing opportunity it is to gather here in this historic building under the Mother of Parliament to, to worship you, to hear your word, to have fellowship together and meet freely as Christians. Thank you for all those blessings, those privileges. We ask your help now by your Holy Spirit as we look at your word of the Great Commission. Would you speak to our hearts and our minds about what you were calling those early believers to do and what you're calling us to do? We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So you can be hitting star from the stopwatch. I've been told I can't go a second over 16 minutes, so this will help keep me honest to that. Oh, I think how much my church wish I had a stopwatch whenever I entered the pulpit there. Uh, perhaps I'll adopt it going forward. But it's great to be with you. Thank you so much, Mark, for your invitation to come and uh, be with you for the next three weeks, this and two more Tuesdays after it, uh, looking at this series uh, entitled A People Who Go. And as I mentioned in the interview just now, I recently celebrated in mid-September at St. Peter's my one-year birthday uh, as a vicar, as vicar there. And birthdays are great opportunities, aren't they, for sort of looking back at the year that's been, as well as looking ahead. And as a church, uh, we use that opportunity to reflect on where we've come from and where we felt the Lord was taking us um, in going forward. We also looked at what we want to be known for. In other words, we looked at, we wrestled with the question of vision. And if you've ever been in a church or part of a church, you'll know that vision is a popular word in church circles. What's the vision, people say? You can get in a bit of a tangle uh, as a church leader and as a leadership team, trying to figure out your priorities as a church or your vision statement as a church. But the good news today is that Jesus has really done all of that for us. You see, he set out his priority for his church and the vision he has for all of us as Christians. And it's simply this, to be a people who go. A people who go. Jesus' vision for his church is found in the Great Commission, the reading we just heard. And here we see that he calls his church and us as Christians to always be looking out, always be moving towards others, to be a church that's serving, loving, inviting, evangelizing. Jesus here is, is giving some of his final instructions to his disciples whom he's been with the past three and a half years. And in a word, it's go. Go and make disciples. In other words, he says to them, go and replicate yourselves. Go and teach all nations to obey everything that I've taught you. 
Go and tell people the good news. The good news that Jesus, that I am alive, that I am Lord. Let's just remind ourselves what is actually going on here. The disciples are being commissioned. They're being given their final instructions by the risen Lord. Risen. Jesus Christ. They're they're listening to Jesus again. He's right there in front of them, standing on a hillside. And yet, just a few days shortly before, he'd been dead. He'd been dead. They'd seen him crucified. They'd seen him buried. I don't know about you, but I'll never get bored of that, of that simple but crazy truth that we, if you're a Christian here today, we believe in a man who's come back from the dead. Can you imagine the disciples' excitement when that first happened? I mean, it's not something that happens every day, is it? I mean, wouldn't you want to tell everybody you knew about what you'd seen, what you'd experienced? Would anyone be able to stop you telling others the incredible news that someone has overcome death, the ultimate statistic that one out of one die? Something that no one else had achieved before had happened in Jesus Christ coming back from the dead. I mean, it's, it's almost incredible news, isn't it? We've got to own that news as Christians. It is, it is crazy. It's almost unbelievable. But it's wonderful, isn't it? And hopeful. Because if it's true, if Jesus is alive, then it means that everything can change. Let me ask you today, what is your biggest personal challenge right now? What's the biggest battle you're facing in life? Let me ask you, does the news that Jesus Christ is alive that death is not the end, that you can know him here and now and then forever into eternity. Does that news make any difference to your situation? Or think of our country. It's quite easy to do in these uh, parts, isn't it? The challenges we face just now. I was listening into uh, the PM statement yesterday and the questions that followed, and it would appear that we face some challenges at the moment in this country. Am I right? Well, let me ask you, does the news that Jesus is alive, proving that there's a God, a creator, and that he is ultimately in charge, does that news make any difference to the situation and conversation going on in our country today? How can it not? If Jesus is alive, guys, everything can change. And that is God's heart's, his heart's desire. That people, even nations, would know freedom, would know forgiveness, hope, the life that only he can bring. And he's not asking the disciples then or us today to do anything that he wasn't prepared to do himself. Who, when man stumbled, when man sinned, as the Bible calls it, when man fell, he didn't leave us to it. He didn't wash his hands of us like Pontius Pilate did with him. He didn't condemn us and write us off, staying in glory and the comfort of heaven. No, he came. He became one of us. 
He put on flesh only to have it stripped off him when he was flogged. He himself came and breathed the same air as guilty humanity, only to breathe his last upon the cross for our sake. The Son of God died, only to rise to new life three days later. And now he lives forevermore. This Jesus, the Son of God, God the Son, heard the call of his Father to go, to go to a world ruled by sin and death, to go and redeem it, to go and love it, to go and die for it. And so he did. He went. And we're all here today because of it. But now it's our turn. And that risen Lord says, go. Go into all the world, every nation. Make disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Baptize them in the name of the Trinity. I think if we're honest, reflecting on that in the church, we can often be better at, at grasping the concept of God as Father, can't we? Get our heads around his love or the idea of God as Son in Jesus. I mean, we've seen him, we can imagine him. But we're perhaps not as good at embracing God the Holy Spirit. It can be a little harder for us to get our heads around him, perhaps. And yet we desperately need him to get the job done. You see, the Holy Spirit is the one who, who fills us up so that we can go out. He is the fuel in our tanks. Heard a story, I'm sure it's true, uh, of a nun. She was a missionary nun uh, in the Middle East and she was crossing some desert somewhere, just arid uh, desert land, and she just passed a, a petrol station. She went on a few miles and then she ran out of petrol. She, didn't, she forgot to check, so she didn't know what to do. She searched the car. She didn't have a fuel canister to fill with petrol to bring back to the car, so she took the only thing she could find in the boot of the car, which was a potty, a little child's potty. She went back to the petrol station and she just got the petrol thing and she filled the potty up. She carried it all the way back to her car, took the cap off the car, petrol tank, and was busy pouring the contents of the potty into the car when a very smart Rolls Royce pulled up alongside her. An electric window went down and, and a rich looking shake gentleman looked out the window and he said this to her. He said, Madam, I do not believe in your God but I greatly admire your faith. And it can be a bit like that, that with us and the Holy Spirit, can't it? He is the one who fuels everything we do. He gives us the power to go. The great news is today, guys, that God loves us so much. But so often we go on without really knowing that, without living it and living from it. Well, the Holy Spirit, he is the one who comes to give us that knowledge and experience. And once we've had it, we just want to pass it on to others. Jesus' first hearers of the Great Commission, those early disciples, they heard his command to go. And you know what they did? They went. Peter went to Rome. Andrew to the Greeks. John ended up in Ephesus. 
Thaddeus went to Lebanon, Matthew, Ethiopia, Thomas, India. All went. Despite it ending in martyrdom for all of them except John, they all went. And we are only here today because they did. But now, in 2018, in the UK, in London, in the heart of our capital, it's our turn. Jesus is calling us to be a people who go as well. And doesn't our nation need it? But to go will involve taking risks. I recently had such an opportunity that involved taking a bit of a risk myself. My mother lives down in Hampshire near Salisbury and I was down there um, some months ago now just enjoying one of my days off on a Friday, that sort of thing, Vickers life. Uh, hashtag, uh, and I was putting my feet up watching some TV and I was suddenly watching the news and it, it was the time when the, the Skripals had been poisoned in Salisbury and they were in hospital and, and it was, I feel it was the Lord, the Holy Spirit prompted me because I was suddenly thinking, they're in hospital here which is about a 10 or 12 minute drive from my mother's house and I felt a, a conviction, a prompting to go and pray for them crazy though that sounds, I was like, no, surely not, 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 not I won't be able to get near them, I mean, there'll be security you know, I mean it's not worth it, but I felt a compulsion to go. And so I thought, well, I'll go and pray. I'm a vicar. I didn't have a dog collar. I was at home a day off. And uh, I just grabbed my jacket and I filled a little pot, a little bit of Tupperware, almost a vial of olive oil to go, you know, if I got the chance to anoint them with oil, pray for healing, just to see God raise them up, that it wouldn't end in death, but in life. I got in my car, I nipped off to Salisbury, Oddstock Hospital, parked in the car park, found my way into the building. I'd had a tip-off that they were in, in intensive care. I mean, where else are they going to be? So went to the fourth floor by intensive care. I didn't quite know where that was, so I kept occasionally just asking a nice-looking nurse or doctor or porter, excuse me, do you, do you know where the script files are? And met with, met with very little response, as you might imagine. People just hurrying on, like, uh, no, no idea. So didn't get anywhere. Then found the intensive care doors, which are ele electronic. They opened. I thought I'd try and sneak in behind them. They close very quickly. You need permission to enter. So I didn't get it. I sat on the, on the windowsill. And I just prayed for 10 minutes. Just praying God's blessing, his healing over them. That they might know his protection. And it might end in life. Finished praying. And wandered off slightly with my tail between my legs. Got in my car. Drove home. And then the next day drove back to London. And got on with my life. A few days later there's a knock at the door. Rather the doorbell goes. And I'm just obviously preparing a sermon or something holy at home in my kitchen. I go and open the door and there's two just women dressed normally, or I think the technical term is plain clothed uh, dress, because they were police women. Flashed a badge, got the heart rate going. They asked to come in and speak to me. My friend reliably informed me that they're most likely from MI5 because that level of clearance needed uh, would probably require them being um, secret service. So they came in and we sat down, had a conversation. They were asking, is do you mind us asking a few, few questions? Was it, is it right that you were in Salisbury recently? It's like, <laughs> yes. It's like, and did you visit the hospital? Uh, I was like, I did. <laughs> and like, and you asked to see the script house? It was like, yes. It's like, do you know the script? No, 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 I've never met them. It's like, okay, um, how interesting. They paid me a visit because they found out, obviously from my number plate or something, they tracked me down. And I almost end up in prison for going to, uh, you know, given the third degree, for going to visit people, to pray for them, to see God's kingdom break out. My point is this. 
I took a risk in going because I wanted to see God's name glorified and his kingdom come. And for every one of us, there will be a cost. There will be a risk if we take up and answer this call to go. But all of us must, in our daily lives, in our workplaces, with our colleagues, our friends, our neighbours, let's choose today to be a people who go, who go armed only with the gospel, in the power of the Holy Spirit. And the best news from this passage, Jesus says it at the end, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Amen.